Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative of Living Strong Consulting. And we're continuing our conversation. Our entire theme for season eight has centered around healing, health, and wellness. And tonight we're going to have a Neighbors Helping Neighbors conversation. And this is one in which it's going to touch on a lot of things that Living Strong um, prides itself in um, supporting others with. It's going to talk about nonprofit leadership. It's going to talk about real figures and statistics of parenting, of single parenting, of families trying to do the best that they can, how we can collaborate together and support a healing relationship that absolutely creates the opportunity for all of us to live the life we have been placed on this planet to live. And I'm Excited to have my guest in studio with us to have this conversation. She has a heart. It, you, you meet one of those people where you never met before, but you could sit and literally your, your soul is so connected that we just vibe and connect it right away. So I'm so glad she's in the studio with us. So let me tell you a little bit about her. As a social worker and former single mother herself, Christina Valdez knows the unique challenges faced by single mothers, as well as the systems of oppression that make it difficult to create the life desired for their families. She is committed to empowering all parents, especially single moms, to parent from their best selves. As the CEO of Along the Way, she is a champion of the conscious discipline method and is overjoyed to ensure that all of the participants, caregivers, connectors who are associated with Along the Way are trained with this deep well of trauma-informed and child behavior management knowledge. Christina has been seen firsthand connecting to the life-changing difference that the investment in families has made through along the way's work. She has been able to be a part of what is making an impact on the lives of parents and children. And she believes that individual families are changed and that it is possible with the right combination of knowledge and concrete support. And that system change is possible through established, mutually beneficial, for-profit, nonprofit, and governmental collaborations. We can absolutely create a ripple effect that changes lives. And we're going to talk about it. Are you a neighbor ready to put your hands into helping another neighbor. Welcome to the show, Christina Valdez. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And, uh, you know, I did feel that connection also. I'm really excited to see what the show brings and what we talk about. Wonderful. So if you're on Facebook, get your questions ready because we absolutely want to be able to hear from you. But I want to start off by sharing a little bit more about what exactly is Along the Way. Yes. So Along the Way is a nonprofit. And we're a family support organization. We provide free childcare to single moms, like a nanny. So we go into the homes of families so that moms can re-enter the workforce, stay in the workforce, and have a village really around them. Uh, we specialize in nights and weekends, childcare. Uh, so that's why it's in the home, because kids need stability and moms need to work, often on nights and weekends. This is... When you said a true village, like this is taking taking that step away from just the cliche, but actually coming alongside and truly addressing a need that is very real for many families. Can you share some of the statistics that go along with why we need to know that this is a true need for support for single moms? Yeah, absolutely. So in Pennsylvania, there's 300,000 single moms and 200,000 of them are working, but they can't make ends meet. Why? Often because they work when they can find someone to watch their kids. So we literally hear all the time from moms that they're even nurses and they do like agency nursing. So like, um, you know, they work at a, 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 an agency, not a hospital, and they only pick up shifts when they can find someone to watch mm -hmm. their kids because nurses have to work nights and weekends. Wow. And how does that impact their ability to what does it, what do income levels look like? Yeah. So right now, I, I don't think it's a surprise that life is expensive. I just heard the other day that groceries are 60% more expensive than they were one year ago. 60%. 60%. So that means that even a nurse, I spoke with a nurse yesterday. She's an RN, okay? A single mom. She makes over $80,000. She has two children. She cannot, she can, she doesn't have any leftover. Yeah. Because yeah. things are expensive. So, you know, at along the way, we provide, uh, we're really creating a sustainable, non traditional hours childcare system. Yes. There's such a power. I've been having lots of conversations with leaders um, uh, just around that literal word because I think there's, there's a mistake that people make. They'll think of a strategy and they'll try to use strategies and hope that the strategy has enough strength for sustainability when actually what they need to be ready to do is to create a system, a system approach, because the issue is systemic. Yes. So it needs a systems approach if we're actually going to restore and, and heal issues that families 
are experiencing. So at the end of your bio, you talked about how you are focused on collaborations. Can you talk a little bit more about your systems approach to this and how it connects to that neighbor helping neighbor collaboration vision? Absolutely. I I feel like I could talk all day about it. So rein me in if you have to. Uh, So I'll start by saying that I'm a social worker. So in everything that I think of, I'm thinking of a systems approach. So there's, you know, the greater culture, then there's the family, uh, the neighborhoods, the school system, and then there's the individual family unit, right? And so everything that we do it along the way, we're thinking of all of those levels and engaging with each level. So when we're in the family's home, we're engaging person to person, child to caregiver, right? We're building Mm -hmm. a strong bond Yes, because that's important, but no one can do it alone. You know, like that we, we need that village. And so we actually bring community around the family and we have uh, gatherings, we have, um, you know, education seminars and uh, really just support holistically the family connecting families with other families. Right. And then we're also engaging uh, as of this year with the employer. Yes. So the employer is buying into this model of childcare as a hiring and retention strategy. But now it's like the employer's part of the village. And then lastly, we have policymakers. And so part of my job is to uh, advocate for family policies at the state level right now and hopefully federal. I'll talk to whoever I have to <laughs> to really have families thrive because life is expensive and there's tons of single parents um, that they are being stifled because childcare never worked for them. Not just daytime childcare, but never worked because they had to work nights, weekends. They don't have a partner to pick up the slack. So for this group of individuals, which are many, hundreds of thousands in Pennsylvania. You just said 300,000. <laughs> just single moms. Yes. Wow. 300,000. They've been stifled by a, a broken childcare system for decades, not mm-hmm. just a COVID broken child mm-hmm. care system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I do is try to talk with um, legislators and meet regularly with with them to say like, hey, this is why people aren't entering the workforce again. This is why families are stuck in poverty and can't get out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you, something that I found very intriguing because in nonprofit And we're going to talk about some mistakes that nonprofit leaders make. But in nonprofit, we usually get into it because there's a passionate part of our either our own story or something we just recognize. There's a pain point here and I have something to add. And we have all of this heart work connected to it. But sometimes businesses don't don't always understand that because this is about the bottom line. And you actually have on your website a calculator to help businesses understand the bottom line of how this makes sense. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And people can then check out the website. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, 
you know, I was raised in a family business, so I kind of default to that, you know, entrepreneurial mindset. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been working since I was like six years old. Okay. So that is always there. And the calc, the idea for the calculator came up because <clears throat> thinking of that systems approach in my mind, I was always wondering like, why are we a reactive culture? Mm. Because reaction, you know, pound, uh, what's that saying? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yes. And so, you know, I was a, a thinker as a child, kind of pondering life all the time and, you know, became a social worker where then I pondered life as a job, right? So I'm like always thinking about these uh, social issues and uh, what's the fix, right? And then I have that business background And it just made sense. Like we need to associate a dollar amount with not having childcare. We know it. Yes. We know that. I mean, the statistics are out there. The Chamber of Commerce, you know, U.S. puts them out. The state puts them out. Mm -hmm. But that's abstract. Mm -hmm. But if I can tell a business owner when you have a 39% attrition rate and 200 employees, and uh, this is how much it costs to uh, hire and retrain, and this is your number per month that you're losing. Yes. Per open position. Yes. That's a whole different story. It truly is. For a business owner, they're like, oh, oh, so now I understand why this is so powerful. This is so valuable. This is actually going to benefit me if I make this investment. in it. You have such power and passion for this work. I feel like it's tied to your own personal stories. It, how does this, how does the work that you now lead actually connect with who you are and your own story? Ooh, that's a lot. No, (laughs) I I will try my best. (laughs) So um, it really started probably 20 years ago. Uh, I was living in the city of brotherly love, you know, Philadelphia, and I didn't have children of my own. Uh, I was in a community of individuals related to the church that I went to that, you know, they were just kind of building each other up. And that's when I started feeling this this calling on my heart. to start what I was calling a family life center. This is 20 years ago. So I was in my 20s. I didn't have kids. like, And I just had this deep, deep, deep yearning to support families by filling in the gaps. So whatever kept them from thriving. So in my 20-something-year-old head, it was a physical location. It was, uh, you know, anything from cooking classes to parenting classes to material support, all housed in one place where families of all shapes and sizes and economic levels would go and get what they needed to thrive. Yes. Okay. And that was on my heart for like 20 years and it never left. I didn't like my friends and I would joke like, oh, when we have our family life center and like, you know, um, so the passion was always there and God put that on my heart. Uh, The road is a little curvy, right? Our our roads are always Mm -hmm. curvy. So um, I started having my own children and then I thought, well, I have to be present to my own kids, right? So I kind of the desire of my heart got sidetracked a little bit and it it was just there on the side. And then uh, I was, you know, married and I was in a a really pretty challenging uh, spot in my marriage. And um, 
you know, really trauma impacted and there were cycles, generational cycles that couldn't be broken. And I felt like, you know, probably for a span of 11 years that there was nothing left in my well. So like family life center, I'm like, I need a family life center, you know, like we need a family life center. So, um, so it kind of got put on hold a little bit and then, um, you know, God has such, such mysterious ways of working (laughs) (laughs) because, um, you know, I, I heard four words that, you know, pretty much changed everything. And it was, I want a divorce. Wow. And the story changed. I'm a single mom. Wow. Yeah. That was, I was so, I had so much emotion. I was scared. Uh, I was sad. I was disappointed. But really, I was scared Mm -hmm. because I was a stay-at-home mom for five years. I had an 18-month-old and a four-year-old. And I didn't know how I was going to do it as a single mom. And and never in a million years, I mean a million years, did I imagine that I would be a single mom. And so I feel like along the way is the culmination of my heart's desire as a 20-year-old in the last 20 years met with my lived experience as a single mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's it is powerful when God will plant a seed and it's not for yet. It's not for this moment, but I just want you to know that I'm going to prepare you for the moment when your yes will catapult and add value and shift and change lives for others. And and sometimes we want to rush and get frustrated because, so I had the vision, so I should be in it. But sometimes we have to go on a journey so that we can walk out that vision with authenticity, mm. with integrity. And I feel like you understand the fear that some single moms experience because they're just not sure, how am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, that is 100% true. And I did it with probably the the upper end of resources. I was Mm -hmm. able to go back to grad school. My ex-husband paid child support. Uh, You know, we tried to co-parent the best we could, but the moms that we serve, they have no financial support, totally MIA former partners, Mm -hmm. no emotional support, some some of the moms are, you know, grew up in the foster care system. So they have no natural support network. And we become that mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. So, you know, I reflect almost every single day. If it was that hard for me, being able to go to grad school and have the resources that I have, how is it possible that if you have no money, lack of education, no partner, no financial support, no natural family that you could ever break these cycles. Right. Right. And that's what drives the train. That's what drives the train. <laughs> when when you are really clear as a nonprofit on why you're doing something. So we jokingly shared um, 
at off camera that, you know, you said, I, I would do this regardless of how much money. And, and I had a conversation with um, some of my, my inner circle girlfriends and we were really talking about purpose. And one of the questions I asked, because people ask me that question all the time. So how do I find purpose? And one of the things that um, another girlfriend in the circle asked, so what is something that you love that you would do and it did you you didn't care how much you were paid for it. It's wonderful to have that heart, but that that passion is important. But just as you shared earlier, the practical understanding of how to build a sustainable nonprofit that's doing the heavy lifting for the lives of others, what is something you want nonprofit leaders? to understand that they're getting this part of the message wrong or you want to bring to their awareness that, that, that it's time to shift your focus? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say not accepting the status quo. Mm. And what I mean by that is there's so many nonprofits that are understaffed, Everyone's overworked. No one makes any kind of money. They're just stressed out, burnt out, and then cynical sometimes. And it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, I I think of this all the time because, you know, we know the state that daytime childcare is in. Yes. And every day I'm thinking to myself, why does why don't nonprofit child care centers do what along the way is doing? Mm-hmm. You know, why don't other nonprofits do the same thing? And by that, I mean, have this multi-payer model where we're not just relying on government support. We're not just relying on philanthropy. We're taking every stakeholder and every benefiting party and having them at the paying table. Because when when my neighbor is not in poverty, I benefit, too. Yes. When my employee's not in poverty and my employee can reliably come to work, even if the car breaks down, I benefit as an as a business owner. When the government, you know, when the taxpayers have to pay less because someone is self-sufficient and contributing to society, taxpayers benefit. So what along the way does is say, hey, everyone that's benefiting pay into this child care system. That's different. It shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> but but it's huge because I I receive um, the e-newsletter from um, Exchange Every Day, and, and it is a, a child care or early learning um, e-newsletter that comes out. They, they send a blast every morning with a, a thought about the field and the industry. And this morning's e-blast was uh, about the economic cliff that were th- that many people are approaching and some are already falling over because s- funding that was there during the pandemic is going away. And one of the key parts of the article was that child care systems literally as you were just talking th- it was echoing exactly what you said that child care systems must begin to figure out 
how to do more than just depend on the governmental assistance, the grant, really figuring out how to differentiate their funding streams, how to create different types of collaborative partners, how to figure out passive income. So it's going to be a mental shift to the entire system to be able to sustain itself as well as survive the cliff that is com- that is imminent for so many. So it's a revolutionary and innovative thought, but it's a necessary one. When you talk about not only your own story, but also recognizing the tremendous toxic stress that mothers, single mothers are potentially under. There's a a recognizing that our bodies were never designed to be on a constant cortisol drip of stress and how that takes a toll in our ability to show up for work, in our ability to parent. And you mentioned Dr. Becky Bailey's conscious discipline, and and I'm a fan. Um, I'm curious, how how does trauma-informed approaches, trauma awareness fit into your system with parenting and even within your nonprofit organization? Yeah, it's it's there through and through. So uh, I have to give a shout out to April Matt. She is one of our co-founders of our organization and our chief people officer now. Uh, she is a trauma expert and she really has, inf- she built this program as it is. Mm-hmm. And it's trauma informed through and through. And I'll give you some concrete examples. When I say that we come around the family and we uh, become a pseudo family, We're building authentic, healthy relationships, not just with kids, but with the mothers. Mm -hmm. And so that is the context of healing, right? Dr. Bruce Perry is always- Dr. Bruce Perry. You want to say it? (laughs) I quote it all the time that for human, and I'm paraphrasing, but healing happens through those relationships. Yes. April always quotes him as, you know, people, not programs, change people. Yes. So that's it. We come around and we support. We are going into her home overnight Mm -hmm. to care for her kids on the weekends. Uh, We are really just there as a stable, constant presence until she doesn't need us anymore. And that's the magic. Mm -hmm. And it's the hard part Mm -hmm. because it's an ongoing service. Uh, there, our society loves to have quick little band-aid fixes on everything, like that reactionary, like, oh no, there's, you know, like the wound is bleeding, like bandage it up. But what we really need is medium and long-term supports so that families can definitively break the cycle that holds them back. Yeah. Not short-term yeah. supports. We have yeah. enough of those. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think about the quote, um, which is an intersection for both April and I in our relationship with Lakeside Global Institute. And my mentor, Diane Wagenhaus, always says that healing takes place in the context of healthy relationships over time. 
and that investment in building relationships. Well, we're getting ready to take our first commercial break, and I've just been sitting on the edge of my seat, just drinking in everything you are offering, Christina. And I know that our listeners are doing the same. So we're going to take a short break, but don't go anywhere because we have so much more that we want to be able to talk about. How do we shift and change systems? How are lives being changed? What can we begin to do as neighbors watching and wanting to get involved? So we're going to unpack all of that as soon as we come back from this break. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We have been having a powerful conversation with Christina Valdez, the CEO of Along the Way. She's been walking us through some very real statistics of the lives of single mothers who absolutely deserve the best, but cycles and systems that have not supported them at up to this point, absolutely, they have barriers to overcome. And along the way is, is just one strategy, but they are having all, almost this clarion call to us as neighbors for how are we going to be a part of the collaborative solution not just using the cliche of being the village, but actually becoming the the hands and the feet and the finances to the village. Yes, indeed. So I we have begun to talk about really understanding um, the sustainability 
of the work that you're doing and one of um, our faithful listeners, Nancy Massey, asked, so what does sustainability look like for you in this endeavor? Uh, Yeah, so for me, it looks like taking care of myself. It looks like taking care of my family so that I can take care of the organization. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm burnt out, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. that's a huge issue. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I would say that's for, first and foremost, uh, carving out that time. And it's hard. I have to have boundaries and I have to like hold myself to it because I love along the way so much. I would literally be working 24 seven probably, right? Like I love it. It's just, I go somewhere and I start talking about it. And before you know it, the kids are like, mom, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So it's very intentional. And, uh, you know, my coworkers are really amazing and, and they kind of even remind me, Hey, Christina, like, you know, like, why don't you just like take it easy or, you know, mm-hmm. like we're really supportive of each other. Um, so I would say that that, you know, that's for me on a personal level. What does it look like sustainably in terms of my business vision? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is, uh, we are investing deeply, deeply in people. And we're providing a long-term expensive service. Kids need childcare until they don't need it anymore because they're old enough to be with themselves, <laughs> right? So, you know, the, we all know that childcare is in a dire crisis yes. because we have a system that relies only on government subsidy or parental pay. Yes. So sustainability for me in this industry of childcare is what we talked about before, having each of the benefiting parties pay. So employers, neighbors, and before we kind of dive into the neighbors and how neighbors can help each other, I want to just take a step back a a little bit away from this topic uh, to share something that has really informed my vision uh, throughout my whole life, really, since I was like 14. I heard a quote that Mother Teresa said, and it said something along the lines of, The greatest uh, illness or uh, poverty in the West is not leprosy. It's not TB. It's loneliness. Yeah. And why I'm saying that is I think it's so easy for material needs to be known, right? It's easy to buy clothes or buy food or have a food pantry. You know, like these are easy things because it's material. But what is not easy is knowing who needs emotional support? Who's lonely? And so when I was in my 20s and I had that desire put on my heart by God, there was always a mutuality between those who were materially poor and those who were spiritually poor. Mm. And that the two groups would help each other. Because I've met people who might be in need financially but man, they are joyful. They are will. They are the first person to help their neighbor. Uh, and I see it all the time, even with the moms that we support. I mean, they are the first ones to give back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that is a really important conversation when we talk about sustainability, because we need each other as humans. So if you have money, 
but you're feeling lonely or you don't have purpose like you talked about before, that's a deep burden that Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be born alone. Mm-hmm. Because there's people who need financial support or, you know, they need this childcare that costs money. And when the two come together and work together, both needs are met. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important to me. That is such a a powerful picture um, that absolutely resonates with my soul. I think when you when you recognize um, poverty is not just finances, it poverty um, can show up in our lives in a lot of different ways. And how are we um, supporting and filling the gap for one another? Um, coming out of the past three years that we've come out of where isolation is such a, a, a norm and beginning to to now recognize being honest about I'm not okay, I need help, and someone not necessarily about how much is in your pocket, but what's in your heart. And um, spiritually, when you're coming from a place of I'm here because God has placed me here along the way to be able to be that support and connection for you. How do you help moms who traditionally probably are used to carrying everything on their own by themselves? How do you prepare them for this relationship for this journey, for you, for you to become a part of their lives. And, and in some respects, they can take the cape off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a good question. So there's a lot of trust building that happens. Uh, you know, when we're coming into someone's home and we're entering their inner circle, they're usually in a pretty uh, tough spot. And it takes a lot of showing up mm-hmm. day in and day out, showing up in someone's life. And uh, we've, I mean, I've heard things like along the way will forever be ingrained on my heart. Yeah. I've heard along the way saved my life. These are things like people don't just say, no. you know, <laughs> not, at not all. about a nonprofit, not right? So you know, and I think that speaks to the relationship building and the showing up day after day to care for someone's children, to be an emotional support, to say, you know what? I know what it's like. You don't have to do this alone. We got you. You know, that over time, that's what builds this program. And, um, you know, it's, it's genuine concern for our neighbors, mm-hmm. it's for each other. There's no rocket science. It's just genuinely, radically loving your neighbor. So with that point, sometimes we think something isn't rocket science, um, but for everybody, it's not common sense. So I'm curious, how do you prepare people within, along the way to do this work? Because you shared trust 
is a big factor. And I'm sure safety as well is a big factor. You're actually going into people's homes when they then have to go to work and um, connecting and supporting and serving their children. So how do you actually prepare your staff to do this work and show up as trusted professionals in the work? Mm -hmm. Well, this is very important to me. So I will absolutely love to speak on it. Uh, I think firstly, we hire people based on their disposition and ability to love children. So someone can have a high school diploma or a master's degree, doesn't matter, and they might not be able to love children. Yes. So that's first and foremost. If you can love children well, you are halfway there to to working for us, right? And then the other side is that we invest really deeply into our staff. So, you know, I, I am a firm believer in the importance of being consistent. Uh, We can't say one thing and do another thing. We can't help businesses with their attention problem if we have our own. We can't, you know, we have to invest in our people if we're asking others to invest in people. And so what that looks like is we provide a fair wage, something as simple as a fair wage, right? To make sure that the people who are working for us are not also needing to be on every social support. So our starting wage is $20 an hour in a, in an industry where the, the average wage is 13. Yes. We provide benefits because I want the people watching my kids to be healthy, to have what they need. So we provide amazing benefits and paid time off. Uh, These are basic things that sadly are not norm, the norm in the childcare industry. And then we also provide professional development and training, lots of it, lots and lots of it, because that's part of sustainability. You cannot have a dead-end job and expect to have a sustainable business because people grow, people change, our minds are curious. So we give all of our staff uh, deep trauma training. Um, April Matt is, you know, who you know at Lakeside, she is doing trauma training. Every two weeks, we pay our staff to come together and learn about trauma. How does it show up in kiddo behavior? How does it show up in relationships, in yourself, Mm -hmm. so that they can really... uh, uplift the families when they're in the home. Uh, And then we can also provide uh, child development associate certification and really just investing in our people. That's literally the word that kept coming to mind as you were talking. You are making not only a deep investment into the single mothers, but you are making a deep investment with your staff to show up in integrity so that your the mission work is actually infused into the entire system of how you approach. And you mentioned how you want to invest in your staff so that they continue to grow. How would you say you've grown as a leader in Ooh. this process? <laughs> it's been trial by fire. <laughs> so right before I took this job, I was a stay-at-home mom for five years. Mm-hmm. And I went back to grad school. Uh, My divorce lawyer said, you got to go back to school. And I was like, I got to go back to school. So uh, it's not like I was ever a CEO before. And uh, I think that one of the most important things uh, in my journey has been to just know what you don't know. Mm 
Yeah. And to not be afraid to ask for help. The Literally the first week on this job, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. I should try to meet with people who do a similar job. So I did. I met with the CEO of uh, one of the big United Ways, uh, Marissa Christie, shout out. She's been such a great mentor. And I just was like, how do, how do you do this? Like, uh, you know, and so I think that, um, you know, definitely it's helped me to just own it, to own the fact that like, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, and I think it's also helped me to, uh, know how to collaborate with others. I, I think I always have, but this is the most collaborative endeavor I have ever undertaken. <laughs> I mean, we're collaborating with employers and the state and counties and other nonprofits, and it just goes on and on and on. Uh, so, you know, how to really listen to who's in front of you. Mm -hmm. That's been a huge undertaking. Um, and so important because, you know, I have a lot of energy. I'm kind of like mild right now and toned down, but like (laughs) I got energy for days. Okay. And it's not always easy to listen to someone that's in front of you, but it is so critical. So everyone on our team knows you can say what you have to say. And there is a, a real open feedback. I, I don't know if you know Radical Candor. Yes. I am a big fan of Kim Scott, Radical mm-hmm. Candor. And mm-hmm. so, you know, at first it's a little bit, it's hard for people to know what to do with that. And mm-hmm. I'm sure if you talk to anyone on our team, they would tell you that. But in the end, it produces a culture where people can genuinely care about each other because there's no, you know, it's, it's really that, um, the willingness to show up as your best self, uh, which isn't always easy. So for those who may not know about Radical Candor, can you kind of in a nutshell give give people a, a snapshot of what it might look like in your office? Oh, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. So uh, so Kim Scott's method, there's like uh, four quadrants. And, you know, one is uh, ruinous empathy, which is not Radical Candor. That's like, you know, the empathizer, oh my goodness, that must be so hard. And it's kind of like making things worse. And then there's the obnoxious aggression. We I think we all know what that looks like, right? Um, and so there's, she kind of defines all these Mm -hmm, different ways. mm -hmm. And she, you know, the sweet spot that she talks about is genuinely caring about people and being transparent and honest. And the two of those together equals radical candor. And so what that shows up like in our office is if someone is not like leveling up, Instead of kind of like beating around the bush or kind of like, you know, uh, say, read, making them read between lines, there are no lines. There's mm-hmm. no reading between lines. I don't do it. I don't make other people do it. Mm-hmm. So it's just an honest, direct conversation. Yeah. Hey, I noticed that it's been hard for you to meet these deadlines or to do this. Let's talk about it. Yeah. There, it's just a straight, straight. That's it. That's what it shows up as. But we lose so much time worrying about will they pick up the 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 um the hints that I'm dropping <laughs> will will they figure it out and and we lose so much time energy and then get frus- frustrated and so when we actually do finally talk it's from an angry place because I've been hoping you'll figure out 
what has been frustrating me or or you'll figure out that I've been noticing that you haven't been fulfilling your full um, part of your position and job. So it, it eliminates that. And I so agree with you. I've been having so many conversations with the work between the trauma-informed system building work and race, social justice, and equity work, the foundation of going into any and every team is, are you actually listening Mm -hmm. to one another? Not rushing to a solution, not waiting until they're done so that you can actually say your agenda. But are you actually listening? And do you care? Yeah. Do you care? Do you care? Mm-hmm. The I think about the the powerful place that single moms with all of the statistics and things that they're doing the very best that they can to find a place that their voice actually feels heard. Mm. How powerful that must be. And and as you said, life-changing and life-saving. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now we actually uh, just started a video blog Ooh, yes. where moms can really have a chance to share their voice and their story. So we interview moms, much like a conversation like we're having right now. Mm. And uh, when I speak with legislators, when I uh, speak with donors, you know, their story is heard because the stories of the single moms that we talk to, I mean, there's patterns that show up and that's where it becomes a system, a system thing. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited. We just started the project, but it, the moms have really, uh, resonated with Mm -hmm. being able to share in that way because they want to be heard. You know, like there, there's a lot of shame around being a single mom and there's a lot of the blame game. Oh, oh my gosh. So, you know, the fact that they have a space to open up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for that project. So that's a perfect segue into how can people find you, support you? Where, where are you? What's your website? How can they find the blog? Just all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so our website is alongthewayPA.org, and you can uh, find everything on the website. Okay. So the video blog, there's, uh, we're going to be starting a quilting club. I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag a little bit, but April Matt is the uh, coordinator, and we're going to actually be able to get uh, pieces of quilting from anywhere in the country. You can just mail it into us, and we will assemble the quilts, because one of the things I did not say is that every single child served by along the way throughout the life of our organization since 2016 receives a handmade quilt, and the reason for that It was so touching when April told me she had a friend who, when she started along the way, alongside two other founders, uh, her friend had said, you know, I, I grew up like in and out of homeless shelters. And the only thing that I had with me was a quilt that was made for me. That was my one possession. A nonprofit had made a quilt for this, uh, girl. And so, 
you know, April took that and ran with it and started a quilting club. And it's been kind of on hold with COVID. Uh, we used to meet in the library, but now anyone anywhere can can uh, submit a be quilt a and be a part of this. Oh, that is so, <laughs> you just took me over the edge. I'm like, that is, there's so much community connected with that, creativity connected with that. Oh, oh, I'm I'm sold. So they can catch you on the website, and we have about three minutes left. Okay, that went We've fast. Been re- I know. I told you. <laughs> We've been referencing neighbors helping neighbors. So can you, in a quick nugget, help us understand what that means for along the way, and how can we actually support you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I spoke about, you know, that mutuality, that uh, the materially poor and the spiritually poor, I see neighbors helping neighbors as a way for those who are not materially poor to help. And then in return, there's an exchange, you know, so uh, I think a lot of philanthropy that it's, you know, feels one-sided, but we're trying to do things different along the way. And, you know, we have different ways to contribute outside of finances like the quilting. We also are starting pods, which are um, like small groups for trauma-informed conversation and learning. Those will be via Zoom. Uh, So that's another option to participate. But at the end of the day, nothing happens without money. That is just a reality. And we're paying our childcare, our, you know, trauma, informed, CPR certified, super high quality childcare providers, $20 plus amazing benefits. Our bottom line cost is $26 an hour. Mm -hmm. And we split that up between employer, government, mom. She has a small copay based on income um, down to $0 if she's under 200% of the federal poverty level. And then the community. And so for every uh, $9 that is donated, we can provide another hour of high quality trauma-informed childcare. So a mom can work to provide for her kids. So uh, I would say, you know, if you're having a birthday, you can start a fundraiser on the website. There is a, you know, fundraise for us link. You just go to the donate now option. Uh, People have done really amazing things. If you own a business, you can uh, contribute, you know, sponsor an event. Uh, There's there's infinite ways. You know, the limits are only limits on our creativity. Yes. But get in touch with me if you need, you know. It's all on the website, right? Yes, it's all on the website. (laughs) Or you can email Christina at alongthewayPA.org. I love it. Christina with a K. Yes. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you. This has been a rich conversation that I know will encourage and give others a charge of a very tangible and intentional way to support um, single mothers who are absolutely doing the best that they can And we can come along the way to support that journey. So thank you so much for your conversation. Thank you. It was so nice to be here. So I am excited that we are going to continue into the month of June, this conversation around healing, health, and wellness. So stay with us right here, same place, same time, next week on the flip side. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. 
Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.